This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown. There is a spectrum when we talk about travel troubles. There are the mild inconveniences, a slight delay, some slow service, maybe sitting next to me on the plane. There are also absolute horror stories. For example, the stories we share about airlines destroying or losing wheelchairs. It's not all about negativity, though, because sometimes travel goes silky smooth and the experience ends up being invigorating and fills you with positivity. Let's say hello to Jenny Bovard and Megan Gilmore to discuss this a bit further. Hey, Jenny, I'm going to say hello to you first here. And just right off the top, I just want to ask you how you and your friends and family are doing around the Halifax area after the storms over the weekend. Well, things are still a little bit messy. I appreciate you checking in. But uh, my neighborhood, my family, we are all safe and sound. There are a lot of down trees in the area, but we're safe. You might hear some chainsaws in the background at some point. Things are being cut up and hauled away. But otherwise, we are safe. Very good to hear. Thank you for uh, checking in with us there on that one, Jenny. And Megan Gilmore, we also say hello to you. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm well. When there's another tornado in Ottawa, we'll ask you what you're doing in regards to that. But Megan, let's start with you. You told us a story on air last week about a difficult train journey. We really had to rush you. So can you tell the story for me again? Sure. So last week I was traveling from where I live now in Ottawa to like southwestern Ontario for some speaking engagements and some work things. So on Monday I was scheduled to take the 537 train from Union Station in Toronto to Ottawa. And so I arrived at Union Station probably around 5 o'clock or just before there because I was traveling in from Hamilton. It was a longer story. And I was standing in line for my train and the via rail attendant asked me if I wanted to do pre-boarding. So I don't usually, cause I'm a last minute planner. I don't usually call ahead and say, Hey, I need pre-boarding. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll take pre-boarding if you have it. And they told me to go sit in the alcove to the right of where everybody boards for their trains. And that's where they'll find me for pre-boarding. Um, the way it works in union is there's just like one big hole and that's where you all line up for your different trains. So I was sitting there waiting slightly anxiously, uh, via rail staff member comes up to me, says, Oh yeah, like I haven't forgotten about you. I'll come and I'll take you. They take me up. I get on my train. Um, I find the seat by myself, very proud of me. Um, and I'm sitting there and a gentleman comes up to me and says, you're sitting in my seat. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, so anyways, long story short, he looks at my ticket. It's like, Hey, you're on the train heading to Windsor, mm. which is Southern part of Ontario, like Detroit border. I need to go to Ottawa, which is in Eastern Ontario. Uh, so he and the lady across the aisle helped me off of my train and time to see the 537 train headed to Ottawa, leave union station. Uh, and I got like, just like bumped to first class and put on the 630 train. There is one more train that yeah. leaves for Ottawa yeah. that's at 630. So thank God I hadn't like booked that train ticket. 
and uh, you know, a free meal, but still a pretty horrible day and a pretty horrible feeling. Uh, I've not. <laughs> yeah, the meal's another story, but that's I, not the point of this panel. I I've not had necessarily a poor experience tied so directly to inaccessibility when I travel, but I'll tell you this: when I've had a couple long delays that involved having an overnight stay at an airport hotel uh, due to cancellations and delays. That can really fire up the stress meter inside me. One, can I find the hotel? Where's the bus picking me up to take me to the hotel? Can I walk to the hotel? What's going on? Something I haven't planned for, something I don't know. It really raises my hackles. Now, again, that's not directly in accessibility, but as someone who's legally blind, it definitely adds a couple road bumps to me getting around. Jenny, what about you? Have you had any, had any, had any really gnarly travel troubles? Have I had any? I have a long list and we don't have time, but I will tell you probably the gnarliest. Many, many years ago, I was traveling. I think I was moving back home after finishing up college in Toronto. So I was moving from Toronto back to Moncton. And I one leg of the trip was on one of these smaller planes. And it was the type of plane where you don't walk right onto it from the airport. You walk onto, I think it's called the tarmac. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you got that. Yeah. All right. Right on. So it was the type of plane where I knew by the model of the plane when I was booking it that I would have to walk out onto the tarmac. And I was traveling alone. So I was really not comfortable with the thought of that. It was daytime. It might be sunny. I, I don't want to get lost on a tarmac. So I self-identified as I usually do, especially when I travel alone. When I book my ticket, I said I'm visually impaired. And 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 I, I stipulated quite clearly when I checked in that I would need help getting from the airport, what like some a sighted guide out to the plane. So I didn't get lost on the tarmac. Well, I'm standing there watching all of the other folks board. And it looks like everyone has left the gate and the door to the gate where you can see out onto the tarmac is still open. And I'm like looking around frantically, look, trying to look as lost as possible. So someone will come to my aid because I'm not seeing any staff people anywhere. And to my horror, I see I can see far enough that I can see like it looks like the plane is closing up. <laughs> so I'm like, this plane's going to leave without me. So being the person that I am, I just ran around the gate <laughs> frantically looking for anybody who looked like they possibly worked at the airport. And luckily I found someone who worked for the airline I was traveling with and they had to open up the plane and I and and escort me on there as they should have done to begin with. In the with. first but place, yeah. It was so embarrassing. Like I I had all these people presumably assuming I delayed the you know I delayed them. They had closed up the plane and yeah. here comes this lady. So it was it was horrifying. I think in all three cases that we're identifying, it comes with some embarrassment as a result of people who said they were going to offer some support really had a major shortcoming there. So it's not to put the onus back on us because it looks like in all cases we self-identified in some way, shape or form along the way. But Megan, I'm curious if this poor experience or if any previous poor experiences have presented what I would call a learning opportunity. Sure, I've been thinking about that a lot because up until my experience last week, I have always received excellent service when I travel on via rail and I brag about it to my friends and I tell them that they should come with me because I will make sure you get excellent service. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, so thought about how I would like to communicate my situation to the company and what they need to do differently. One of the things has to do with something that you and I talked about last week, Dave, has to do with 
um, where, uh, where like in my case, trains, the stations that they use. So at Union Station, I don't think I saw any sign telling me which alcove was the pre-boarding one for my specific train. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. thought you could sit at any of them. Like nobody told me where I was supposed to specifically sit. Um, so that's one of the things I've thought about is just how little communication there can be about where I need to be to have the people whose job it is to help me to have them be able to do their job the best that they can do. Mm. Um, that That's something I've learned. Um, right now, to be honest, I do not want pre-boarding on my next train ride coming out of Toronto. Out of Ottawa, it's fine. Smaller station, less people. But I think next time I just might stand in line with yeah. everybody in Toronto. Once, once you're happily in line and and you're there, it's like, well, if I provided I follow the person in front of me, I'm gonna get where right. I have to go. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jenny, what about you? I know there's only so much you can do in the situation that you described, but did it present some kind of learning opportunity? I think what I've learned is you you can plan and plan and do everything right. But when you're traveling, you always have to anticipate that something might go sideways. Um, and, And I think the other thing that I've learned, this may not be constructive, is that we have to keep giving feedback when these things happen, whether it's the airline or whatever company is providing the travel, because we need to hold them accountable and everyone needs to learn from that poor experience that we had. So it's not necessarily taking to Twitter or ranting and raving. It's, it's, Hey, this happened and this was really not a good experience. I don't want to have to run and tell everyone about this negative experience. So let's make it right next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just anticipating that things might go sideways, even if we're doing everything right. And people are human. I'm sure they didn't in, intend to leave me there and oh you know make me almost miss my flight but it happened and and we need to do better i think just we just need to be accountable for we, we, we need to hold people accountable. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I, I definitely, in my Newark airport experience, I definitely sent them a very constructive email to American Airlines after uh, I really gave them a couple opportunities to be like, oh, he self-identified a bunch of times and explained that he felt unsafe walking to the hotel, and yet we still just shoved him onto the streets of Newark, but uh, neither here nor there. Guys, let's not dwell on negativity, because sometimes when we talk about these things, the negativity can take over as opposed to some positivity. I'll tell you, Last time I left this continent and went to the old world and traveled to Europe in 2005, I did self-identify well in advance because I was going to be taking a transfer in Paris. And if you guys have ever been to Charles de Gaulle Airport, it's uh, it's large. It's a big airport. So in the end, Air France was spectacular in the way that they dealt with me, particularly in regard to some orientation at de Gaulle. They ended up doing the thing that I spoke to Amy Amanti about in the last hour of the show where they asked, listened, and acted. So a lot of times when you're talking about an accessibility accommodation getting off a plane, they'll tell you to sit in your seats like all the way until the end, and then you'll sort of be the last thought to be taken where you have to go. When they figured out that I didn't have necessarily a mobility concern, they said, hey, get off the plane whenever you want to, and the person is going to be... The person who's going to help guide you through the Gaulle Airport is going to be waiting at the desk. It's going to be waiting at the gate desk. And all you've got to do is say, hey, I'm Dave Brown. And they'll they'll escort you through. 
and that's what they did in De Gaulle. That's what they did for me in Manchester when I landed a little bit later in Manchester. And the person like walked me explicitly to where I had to go. But also as we were going through the walk, we were chatting and bonding as humans. They asked me if I was hungry, if I wanted to stop for food, did I want a bottle of water, did I need gum? It was all of those little things that you'd think is like the basic fundamental services, but it made the experience so pleasant and wonderful that it just got my vacation off to the right kind of start. So Megan, starting with you, positive experiences. Sure. So most of my experiences when I fly have been similar to yours, Dave, in that there's people who walk me to where I need to go and we have pleasant conversations. Shout out to Air North, the Yukon's airline. They're great. When you go to Whitehorse, fly Air North. Um, but this past summer, I flew to Whitehorse. And as we all know, this summer was a crazy time for airport travel. I spent an hour in line in Pearson from 4.30 in the morning to like, no, from like 3.30 in the morning to 4.30, something crazy like that only to get to the front of the line and realize that I was in the wrong airlines line. Oh my gosh. And I couldn't see, yeah, I couldn't see the airline sign. So I thought I was, it was terrible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like my plane is leaving in like just over an hour. And I just blurted out like, and I have a cane with me, but I'm just blurting out like, I'm legally blind and I need help. And then somebody came and they were like, we're on this. And they had me through security at WestJet in probably under 10 minutes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The beauty and power of self-identification and somebody actually knowing what that means and actually acting upon it. Uh, Jenny, what about you? Positive experiences. Well, mine was really recent, too, and really similar to you, Dave, where when I recently traveled to, to Montreal, I wasn't traveling alone. I did have a sighted guide with me. But right after we sat down, a flight attendant came up to me. And, and I should say this was Air Canada. Surprise, I have something nice to say about Air Canada. <laughs> um, they, The flight attendant came right up to me, and I can't recall the exact words that they used, but they asked me the first thing they did was asked me to describe um, and help them sort of understand not only how I saw what I could see, but what level of support I might need. Usually it's they come up and it's bleh, like, here's all the information for you. Here's how I can help you, blah, blah, blah. I see that you self-identified, you're visually impaired. Um, it was just really refreshing to have that opportunity to say, I don't really need XYZ assistance, but hey, if there's an emergency, we're not going to want to rely on me um, to be helping anybody navigate this plane or open anything up, et cetera. So it was just real. That was really super refreshing. And I've had a lot of really good experiences like you, Megan, with Via Rail. Uh, I, I can't recall a bad experience ever with them, especially when I've self-identified um, and, and traveling alone. Another quick instance was an airline lost my luggage once, and when I made it clear to them that I needed my luggage for a goalball tournament, they were all over it. Nice. And they got that luggage to me at my hotel um, just in time to play. So that was a really nice one, too. I think that was Air Canada as well. So, you know, two... Two positive points for Air Canada today. We're a wildly tight for time here, guys. So I have to hold you to one quick thought on this one, sort of 30 seconds or so. But is there anything you do to try and make your travel life easier? For me, the Newark experience really scarred me. So now I actually look at hotels at uh, around airports that I'm going to be transferring through just in case so I can give myself some pre-orientation. And I also intentionally give myself very long layovers. But Megan, what about you? Long layers are important. I think a lot about how to keep myself happy while I travel. So like the right books, 
the right snacks. And I am a person who washes my bed sheets at home before I leave and I make my bed. So that I when do I come that home, too. You guys are geniuses. Yeah, I'm taking notes. It's a great idea. To, it's because you've been sleeping in hotel beds for a couple days. So maybe you're going to sleep in a, you know, freshly cleaned bed when you get home. Jenny, what about you? Okay, maybe not super practical, but if you're someone who's blind or visually impaired, pump yourself up, talk yourself up. You deal with a world that is not really designed for us. For It's designed for people who can see well. Um, so if you find yourself in a weird predicament, a gnarly predicament, to use Dave's word, you, you can do it. You know, you'll find your way out of a challenge because you do it every single day. You navigate this crazy world every day. So talk yourself up, pat yourself on the back. Right on. Hey, Jenny. Megan, thank you both for this. Jenny, have a great day, and Megan, we'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. That's Thanks, Megan, bye. That's bye. Megan Gilmore, the host of Connecting Disability Podcast. Jenny Bovard is the host of the Low Vision Moments Podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.